We are back. Welcome back for your first helping of oysters, clams, and cockles in this new decade, the year 2020. I am Ross Bolin here with my buddy Barrett Dudley to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Happy New Year, everyone. Barrett, we made it. That's right. We sure did. Um, The thing is, I'm actually still living in the current decade because I have decided to take up arms and stand with the people that say we are not yet in the new decade. Okay, this argument... I'm just kidding. I would it's, it's ridiculous. We're in a new decade, people! It is a new decade. Yeah. A brand new decade. With- I just wanted to... I, re- I wanted to give everybody out there a little flat earther scare. Ah, well, you did. And just make them think that I was real crazy. Who are these people making this argument? Well, here's the thing. There is no year zero. So okay. technically, if we are going in 10-year increments since the a, you know uh, AD time, mm. then 21 is the first year of a new 10-year increment because the very first year is year one, not year zero. But the thing is, all the other, all the other pieces of the equation mm-hmm. point to this being a new decade. It's a, we flipped two numbers this time, not just one. Right. We are in the 20s now, not the teens. Right. Therefore, new decade. I like that. Yeah. So that explanation so, covers everything So l- logically, and, and, you know, for everything to just make more sense. Sure. It's new decade, baby. New decade. And we're living in it. People are doing their top decade lists. We got top five, top five NBA. You're, I got you. I got all, all decades starting lineups on the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top 10 shows of the decade, top 10 movies of the decade. Everybody's doing decade lists, so it's a new decade, baby. I'm a little annoyed by the decade list thing. Yeah, yeah. Fad. Content doesn't sleep though, Ross. I know, but that's the problem is it feels very forced. <laughs> we're 20 minutes into the new decade and we're just, we're throwing out every possible list we can judging the 2010s. That's yeah, what they're yeah. called, right? The Yeah. The yeah, 2010s. Huh? Huh? The 10s. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Also, I was just, you know, you know, when when a new decade rolls around, it's a time for reflection. Is it? And on the way over here, I was listening to uh, satellite radio. Yeah. I won't say the name of the provider. No free ads. Um, and I heard a song by UGK called Front Back, Side to Side. Great song. And then I put on the TI version from his 2006 album, King. Oh, yeah. Which was basically just a remix of that song. It's called yeah. Front Back. It's a little more jumpy. It's a little, yeah, bops a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. yeah. It's weird because that song on that album, King, it's like mixed poorly. And so you have to turn it up louder than all the other songs. <laughs> it's never a good sign yeah, for your so that, album. So that's whole. weird. That's, but that, that was a great album. That's a weird thing. But yeah. then I was just, you know, he's talking about putting 26s on the car. And I was just thinking about a bygone era when rims mattered. Yeah. When the object of getting a car was to see how big of rims you could put on it. And I there feel was like a, that there was, was very a, amplified for us in the South. There was a time when like we got up to like 30 inch rims, I think. It was out of control. It was out of control. There was no more rubber left. <laughs> there was no more. It was, yeah. People it was a rubber band. Sparking down the highway. Yeah, yeah. Just nothing but nothing but chrome, baby. It definitely was exaggerated for us in the South, but during Barrett and I's uh, formative years in high school, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. was this was when Houston rap was peaking, and Barrett and I were in Houston. It was. It, and yeah. we were peaking we in were. high school. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, all the above. Yeah, and and rims were the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was just and then Jay Z came through and he, he was like no more. I'm wearing button ups and I'm riding stock, baby. 
Executive shit. And then, and then, and then, but here's the thing. The impact was permanent Mm. because then all the car brands, they started putting 18, 19 inch rims, 20s on the premium trim level. Right. 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 So now you go get a new, a new car and that baby's on 18s minimum almost all the time. They're like aluminum looking though. They're they're more matte. The chrome is gone. They're not as flashy. Right. Obviously, spinners was a was a piece of this that was just a fad. Yeah. The best part though. But but the rims, they stayed big. And that that is the lasting the permanent impact. Lasting impact. Of the two thousands into the twenty teen, twenty tens, yeah. and now on into into twenty twenty. Who knows what is in store for wheels on for cars. For wheels on cars. And that has been it's haunting you. That has been my rim segment on today's episode of the podcast that we do about TV, entertainment, and film. Now we'll always know what the 2010s were to you, Barrett. They were rims. <laughs> that was it. That's what stuck. Yeah. Right. Well, the two from the 2000s that it just stuck oh, I'm with sorry, me from way back. Yeah. 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 And then, and then I've I've taken 10 years to contemplate and think on it. And now you've shared your take. And now I've shared my take. Yes. And that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Our first podcast <laughs> of the new year though should be a fun one. We will be discussing the Mandalorian finale to start. Uh, Barrett and I both began watching The Witcher. So Witcher Hive, this is happening. We're starting the Witcher coverage today. Yeah. What yeah. began once as a joke. Yeah. Has become a strange reality. Where we're watching the show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about it. Um, no, no, no other uh, takes right now. And then we have some further Joker and Cats, uh, very Joker. quick hitting things to discuss as well. Should be good fun. So let's go. This episode of OCC is brought to you by Postmates because winter is here. It's cold. It's dark. It's dreary out there. Why venture out? When you can stay in and get whatever you need brought to you with Postmates while you remain on the couch binging your favorite show or movie. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service all year round. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Forget about the store. Postmates will deliver (coughs) anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses. Track your delivery 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. I probably end up using Postmates between three to five times every single week at this point um, because I'm working during lunch. I don't want to have to run to go get food or a smoothie or whatever, so I'll just have it brought to me with Postmates. It's phenomenal. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners in the Clam Fam $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now. Just download Postmates. Use the code OCC. That's OCC, as in oysters, clams, and cockles, for $100 free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Get anything you need, anytime you need it. Download Postmates and save with the code OCC. So, Disney Plus, their big flagship rollout. The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. their Star Wars uh, franchise television show that they're yeah. doing here, uh-huh. Uh-huh. has finished its first iteration, its first season. Eight episodes. Eight episodes. Very light, I would say, in 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 the uh, in the way of, I mean, the stakes are low. Yes, we began talking about it like if one of the first takes I heard was the Mandalorian is like if Star Wars had balls. Mm. And that ended up not being entirely accurate. The first couple episodes, they may have leaned into the violence and the fighting a little bit more, and it was a little bit more darker right. than a Star right. Wars film, or OG Star Wars films anyway. The newer ones are a little more, they get in there. Yeah. A little more anyway. But it ended up being just about on pace with the depth I would expect 
from a like a each episode from a single Star Wars movie almost yeah. in its individual bubble, if that makes sense. Like I never stressed a single moment of this entire season almost. Right. Like at no point did you think Baby Yoda was going to die, or no, I'm sorry, no. the child. You, no, you are you you're you're definitely. That that's what I'm saying. The stakes are really low. Could take out the Mandalorian because you know that like nothing is going to happen to any of our favorite characters. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, and the only two that matter really, really are the Mandalorian, are the and, Mandalorian the child. and the child. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, that made that made it a very enjoyable watch because you, you're just along for the ride here. Yes. You know what I mean? And it had that Western sort of feel to it, yes. like sort of episodic missions almost. Uh, you know, we we. There was, there's been a lot of talk about how this is kind of uh, an old school Western style TV show. It's kind of, it, it's kind of a adventure of the week, if you will. Yes. And then like, I started thinking about it towards these last couple episodes and I was like, even the theme song, the bow yes. you know, it, it's even doing, it's telling you it's a Western. Yes. The music is even like, oh, very much Western-y. so. But think about the, the, the scenery. Like yeah. it's this, it's straight desert almost. Desert. Like they go you, straight yes. Western feel for most of the setting. Indeed, indeed, yeah. But um, all in all, it was thoroughly enjoyable. It's it was, just, and it I didn't will have. I will say this: this it did have some pretty aggressive fight scenes where people re- like definitely die. Oh, he was I murdering feel, the shit out of people. I feel like even in the Star Wars movies. Even when people get got, it's like, Yo, Luke, did they though? Luke never like decapitates a helmetless person on screen. <laughs> like that guy didn't have a helmet on. You know what I'm saying? Like people are just getting, oh, that was the Witcher. That's the, yeah, you were just about to And the crazy thing is, all right, so between these two, the, the it's some of the coolest Star Wars fighting that we've ever seen in Star Wars from mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And then The Witcher, which we just started, opens, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the opening scene of it. They took the fighting shit to a whole nother level. Like it's the my favorite part of the show so far on yeah, The Witcher. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's but it, but like in this final ab- episode of Mandalorian, more violent. The 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 armor girl, the armor Mandalorian girl. Yes. Like she wrecks fools. She throws one into her burning fire pit. Dude. Oh, my, oh my god! Yeah, when she's on one on her knees there waiting for like yeah. What are those guys doing, by the way? <laughs> they 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 had removed the element of like, you know, Jason Sudeikis was a stormtrooper yeah, and all that. I recognize his voice almost instantly. And they had removed the element of like, all right, the stormtroopers are so stupid that it's laughable. Because in the movies, in some of the older movies especially, they're so stupid. The right. stormtroopers have the worst lines. They can't hit anything with the guns. And I felt like they were going to take the, that. Anyway, your scene that you brought up mm-hmm. brought me back to that. Because they're like, hey- well, then they, they I mean, in the Sudeikis scene, they're making fun of it. Yes. They it, can't hit the, they're shooting at the thing six from feet like away. six feet away. And then both of them just give up. And they can't, they can't hit it. So they're, they're, they are <laughs> making that meta commentary that like okay. stormtroopers were just trash. Are, just are, random dudes in suits. Yeah, yeah. That can't do anything. Basic, basic, basic soldiers. Yes. The basic white stormtrooper is worst soldier in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, if, if you get you, some color in you there. Get, yes. You have to either have a black stormtrooper or, or an all red. Or one with some red war paint on it. Uh, fucking the flamethrower chick or dude, whatever, either or had <laughs> like some detail, yeah, but right. it was it full red, right? No, it was just like red, like war. That's why I called it war paint. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was like an indicator, like exactly. I'm coming in, yeah, and I've got fire. I'm very good with fire. That is, you can see this red 
these red stripes, yes. these details. Snipe me from afar if you can. I'm coming <laughs> on, with a On my uniform, therefore you know I have a big badass flamethrower and I know how to use it. Yeah. Um, didn't work out. Not, no. In, in the case of the flamethrower person, uh, little baby Yoda... He does not, the he does the hands thing. He did the hands thing, and I love that they made, dude. It was it was good at making fun of itself. It man. was it was it was self aware. It it had some some meta commentary, and everyone survived. Did everyone survive? Carl Quill. Weathers survived. Quill. Ah, bummer. Our our boy Nick Nolte. He was lovable. Yeah, the lovable old Nick Nolte. Quill. Yeah. I have spoken. I have spoken. Um, God, what else? What'd you think of our our villain, our big bad? And the way that all ends. Yeah. First of all, yeah. the way Mando takes him down out of the ship. Is pretty, takes the ship down, pretty rather. Pretty sweet, pretty sweet. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh-huh. Shouts to Gus Fring. He, he's just, he's a great bad, he's a great baddie. I liked, it It was like the Star Wars thing, because the main bad guys are always very intimidating, mm-hmm. very badass, but everyone that works for them is a moron. Right. And they can never really accomplish anything as a result. <laughs> and this guy comes out with this incredible speech. I mean, he's like, we are loading up the cannon. Y'all are toast. You got a few more minutes. Fucking come surrender. And then he starts walking away and you're like, well, what an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I... It's a James Bond villain thing. We're going to leave you in this room, Mr. Bond. We'll be back in an hour and a half. I think I laughed. I, I think I laughed out loud when he was giving them the big speech, and they're setting up the cannon. And it's clearly it's broad daylight. Yes. It's like at at most it's three p.m. Right? <laughs> like that's the latest it is. And he's like, the cannon is set up. And I thought he's gonna be like, you have sixty seconds to decide, or we're gonna kill all of you. 14. And he's like, he's like, you have until. Uh, nightfall. How about Night, nightfall? nightfall? That's like a nice solid four or five hours. Gives you plenty of time to think. Make some plans in there. Consider you know? all the angles. <laughs> Maybe escape if you'd like. Whatever you think is best for you, we're going to give you the time to do it. Yeah, that was that was a bad choice to give them until nightfall. So, but other than that, so finally he comes in at the end and he's like, I guess I'll try to shoot you in my spaceship mm-hmm. since you've destroyed... The, the hero of the entire season, by the way, ends up being the nurse droid. Nurse droid. Nurse Droid MVP by f- not even cl- like what the he- the episode opens with Nurse Droid getting back little baby Yoda because it has its nurse function and if anything threatens this child it's supposed to be t- caring for it kicks ass yeah and then in the end, in the end it blows up it's it self destruct self destruct to yeah. take out like forty stormtroopers so that Esposito has to come in and then handle things himself and right. he doesn't do a great job either no but nobody dies except all the stormtroopers. <laughs> And the nurse droid. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's fine though because one of the things that this show is doing is it is it's it is just I am willingly let it tap in to my pleasure sensors, mm-hmm. and every time it puts Baby Yoda on the screen and just lets it coo, coo. I, I just I, I melt and I'm like I'm gonna watch every single episode of the show as long as this tiny little green puppy dog thing is it's making making sad eyes on my t- television screen. It's kind of amazing that they got through an entire season and really the only plot was like, will we keep Baby Yoda safe? <laughs> and then the answer was yes. So That's it. We don't know anything else about him. We learned nothing about his race, really. He's, we know he can do the Force. We took, yeah. But it we, makes him real seepy. And we took like eight episodes basically to set up the rest of the seasons, which are that Mando is daddy now. Yes. And he has to raise this child or find its people. 
Have you considered the gravity of how crazy they can get with this if they want to? Like, they have it at the simplest Western episodic fucking Mm -hmm. lightest watch possible level right now. right, right. Okay, but think about down the road how intense this can get if they want it to. They're not going to get intense with this. You don't think they will? No. You think they keep it at this level of sort of very enjoyable, light Star Wars history type of shit? (sighs) Because they yeah, could I mean, go like full blown, like Yoda revives the Force and the Empire comes all the way back, and they, like they could go fucking yeah, psycho- Like, here, here's another thing to consider. Have you seen the new movie, by the way? No. Okay. Well, the movie takes. I'm not going to really spoil anything here okay. for you. Well, I'm not that worried about but, it. But if but, you were, but the movie takes a minute towards the end. Like it devotes a solid sixty seconds of screen time to these two characters. Okay. To do what is called a backdoor pilot. And it like it. The only point of this exchange is to be like, get ready for us, for the two of us on a Disney Plus series, huh? How about oh, that? Oh, That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh fuck me! <laughs> so I, I think the and there, there's also been talks about uh, all these directors out there that are tied to some type of Star Wars project, whether it's Ryan Johnson or Colin Trevorrow or uh-huh. or J.J. Abrams or whoever else is is in the mix for these things. Uh, Benny Off and Weiss at one point, no longer. It, we don't. Nobody knows what what they're going to do. If they're going to get a spinoff movie, if they're going to get a trilogy, if they're going to get a Disney Plus show. So I think the question becomes, how many Star Wars shows do you put out there at one time? Yeah, because I don't think you want eight of these things. No, let's be careful here. Let's not Avengers are. Our... So if they're if they're trying to kind of overlap, so that there's always maybe two or three of these things going. God Almighty, that's then, a lot, dude. Then maybe they. I, what I'm trying, what I'm getting to here is how many seasons do you think they intend for the Mandalorian to go? Because it could theoretically run for 12 if they wanted it to. I mean, that's where it's interesting to me. I feel like if you keep it as light as it is, why not roll for as long as you sure. can? You but know? then, but then you're going to have all these other shows that they're trying to make stacking up with it, which just kind of dilutes the entire brand and makes each of them less enjoyable because of diminishing returns. Perhaps. For so it's sure. like maybe they, maybe they think this is their first one. They're going to pack this thing into four or five seasons and after this first setup season we'll get a little bit more story arc with finding out about baby yoda's race with finding out how what, how he's connected to uh real yoda you know where he where stuff. he comes from all that good stuff what's yeah. esposito going to be doing what, what the fuck's the empire up to yeah, yeah, yeah all that good yeah stuff. yeah I, I get that we're already renewed for season two or whatever i believe right at least is, it, is that even the thing they're going to be doing do they have to renew themselves don't they just own it? What this, is that? Yeah, th- I mean, and also this show has like reached a saturation point where I, I <laughs> I'm pretty sure it just has as long of a leash as it wants. Just whatever now. with the baby Yoda. John budget. Favreau is just out over there at Disney, just with a money machine, just printing cash right now. I I I still struggle to put him into like the hierarchy of Hollywood. Oh, it's he is where the way he- high up there at this point. I know, but Super is, is, is he the tippy top now or is it he- like there's four levels above him still cuz he's fucking killing everything outside of studio heads? He's the like, he's what he's as high as you can get. Basically. He's as high as you can get. Yes. Cuz how many goddamn projects has he pumped? Think about the last decade like all of a sudden just every fucking thing was John Favreau. Yeah. Iron Man came out. It was John Favreau. Favreau. Like wait, what? Yeah. It's very confusing. But he's he's done a fantastic job. Obviously, he keeps mm-hmm. getting handed the keys to more stuff. So, um, what do you know? What the critical reception has been like for the Mandalorian? Yes, it has been overall solid. With with some people posing the same questions that we have about like 
are you really just not going to tell us anything? Like, is this going like basically the the main critique has been the lack of is this just an uh, an a weekly adventure western, mm-hmm. or do we need or or should we be invested in who is who is the Mandalorian? Who is Baby Yoda? Like, right. where do these people come from? What's their story? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Before we miss it all together, because that would be uh, uh, horrible, we get Pedro's helmet off. Mm -hmm. The helm comes off. We find a loophole. Also, again, MVP of the episode, Nurse Droid finds a loophole. He does, yeah. I am not a living thing. Thank you, Nurse Droid. And we get the helmet off. I've had people tell me they like that they finally got the helmet off. I've had people say they hated it. We got that far. We should have fucking left the helmet on. Why did we take the (laughs) helmet off? I don't really care personally. I I liked it for Pedro's sake. You, I feel like you got to give the man a face a, a couple seconds. Yeah, it, it was. Also, he was going to die. I I don't know how to feel about it because I, I just I'm just kind of indifferent. Yeah, because it wasn't an it wasn't it wasn't like they threw in the loophole for him to take off the helm whenever he wants to. Right. So it's not like we're going to be getting a lot of Pedro Pascal. No, we are not. In season two. No, I would imagine it'll be this. They found one loophole to get it off of him for like five seconds. Right. And that was it. So it's like, it was very, it was a taste. Wasn't really enough. Was it good for Pedro? Sure. Glad we got to see that. Yeah. That but should, face. You, should you do it if it's not powerful? But if, Maybe not. Right. But like. It definitely wasn't powerful. I didn't find myself like, oh shit. I was not either. doing it. Yeah. No. Like, we already know who it is. We've yeah. already talked about the damn thing for eight weeks. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, yes. it felt like it was yes. a spoiled reveal at that point. But uh, all in all, on Rotten Tomatoes, for example, 94% tomato meter, 93% audience score. Yes. It, it, I'll say for me, for my taste, it feels like we're almost like just giving this all of the W's. Like, we're just like, yep, fuck it. Everybody <laughs> loves The Mandalorian and there's nothing to complain about and we all like, yeah, 94 yeah. and 93? That, like, yes. come on, man. It's a fucking... The, the, one of the best things about the show is a little green puppet baby alien that doesn't speak. Look, we've got... Th- there's there's Not this... The baby. You know, in, in, in the wave of, of television, right? 90s gave us these incredibly rewatchable sitcoms with laugh tracks and a live studio audience that you can put on and just use as background noise, right? Friends, Seinfeld, and then a little bit further into the 2000s, we got The Office and Parks and Rec and like these just like long running shows even before that, stuff like Cheers, Mary Tyler Moore, like what, you know what, whatever. You just, you had these very light half hour shows that were inconsequential Take you out of your life for a few Yeah, minutes. they weren't trying to do too much. You didn't have to sit there and like pay very close attention. Write down everything that was happening and shit. And put on subtitles like you do with The Witcher. Yeah. And then we went into peak TV, right? And it's yes. all, it's very serious. And it's the age of the anti-hero, anti-hero and it's the golden age. And we're we're very serious. And all of this TV means something. And it's four or five seasons and it's hour-long now dramas. it's art, Barrett. It's art now. And we ha- we're, we've been inundated with so much of that because everybody is doing it from HBO to Showtime to every single streaming service. Everybody is putting out their big tentpole award-winning show. Yes. That it's like, I feel like the critical reception to this show has been so positive because it's like finally something that doesn't matter and isn't trying to be serious. And didn't try too hard. And didn't try too hard to be fun and silly and not all that meaningful. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm, and, I'm with and that. And gave us just the, the lit- I mean, for my money, the cutest thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm I'm with Baby Yoda being very cute, but like I don't know. I, maybe it's because I have two very cute dogs that I look at all day that I'm just yeah. like I'm used to cute shit. Like I'm not taking him over the dogs. I'm just not. But he is very very cute. Okay, I, let me. I'll put another qualifier on that. Okay, the, it, it's the cutest like screen thing I've ever seen. Sure. Outside of real live puppies and dogs, what? I guess it. We have no idea. Like they, dude. I'm just. I'm. I'm in awe of how little they had to do for this <laughs> yeah. season to be yeah. accomplished. Combined with the reviews, I mean, I'm just like I keep wanting to ask questions. Like, how far are we going to go with like baby? Like, what him obviously learning more about his powers and eventually, hopefully, being able to fucking communicate with someone. I mean, in some but way. that's the other thing. He's already 50 years old. Yeah, so, but in so it's like, years, like, right? But so how many? How many years would have to go by until the child is the teenager? Do you know what I mean? Like, three. that's a very good point. Yeah. So, and we don't want that. We don't want we we don't want him to be the teenager. We've we seen want him old to be Yoda. He's not we hot either, or fun. We, no, we what? But he's at least wise and like you know mm. legendary. He's squirrely. He's squir- the guy's squirrely. The guy comes off as a potential pedo. But g- give me one or the other, right? I don't want to see middle aged Yoda or teenage Yoda. Middling Yoda. Yeah, nobody wants quarter-life crisis Yoda. No, that that no. Yoda sucks. Yeah. Or teen Yoda. Yeah, the angry Yoda that just, he can't stop fucking like throwing what? stuff across the galaxy right. with his <laughs> what's, mind. What's Paul Rudd's character's name in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Piku? Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Kopu? How, how are you even close? Poku? Yeah, some stupid shit like that. Bro, something like that. that. That's what this show did. They they didn't do too much. Yeah. I got to do a little bit more than that. <laughs> Do do okay. Do more. He's than teaching that. this idiot to surf. Yeah, dude, that's a great cameo from Paul Rudd. It's yeah. actually a very very bad cameo that somehow <laughs> worked. Like it's a horrible part of the movie that all of a sudden Paul Rudd is there giving like really goofy, not really invested surf lessons. I don't know why, but it's hilarious and also very bad. Um, by the way, I love that movie. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, fantastic. one of my favorite movies. Threw it on in the background on the stream the other day. All right, live broadcasting on mm-hmm. Twitch or whatever, mm-hmm. playing video games for the kids. Forgot uh, the opening scene is essentially him taking his dick out. <laughs> totally forgot. Kids yeah. on the stream and shit, man. Man penis in the background. Can't have that happening. Um, anyway, just a warning for those of y'all who maybe decide to watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall tonight as a result of us talking about it. Jason Siegel, his penis, he reveals it at the beginning. One of the first male genitalia that I ever saw in a movie theater, if not the first. He is, Big step for Hollywood. Paul Rudd is listed in Forgetting Sarah Marshall as his name being Chuck. But that is not right. Doesn't he say his name is... I think he does end up saying like his name is something stupid like Hawaiian? Chuck. Hawaiian? Well, we he says he doesn't have a watch anymore. He doesn't He doesn't even have a watch, right? Doesn't he say that? Kunu. 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 That's it. Kunu. What a ridiculous, ridiculous character that was. Budgeted $30 million. Made one hundred and five in the box office. Good stuff. All right. Uh, did Star Wars fans get upset by The Mandalorian? Apparently not. No, no they so did not. So everybody's no, did happy? Not. That's because Star Wars fans- They're too just, busy. Well, they just want the most- we, we got what they wanted in this most recent movie, and it's just the most basic nostalgia-inducing color-by-numbers. You already saw it, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I need to get in there. There's a few things I need to get in there for at this point. Yeah. The movie It's did. fine. The movie's fine. It's just not interesting. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> but The Mandalorian season one, Barrett, to put a cap on it, 
you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, we uh, we both uh, we both had fun. And we didn't because have to think too hard. because one of the main characters is a puppet, mm-hmm. the other doesn't have to be there to shoot, unless there's a scene where they take his helmet off for five seconds, and they can probably just use the digital stuff and reanimate his face onto you know a crash test dummies one anyway. And Carl Weathers definitely doesn't have anything else going on. They should be able to just crank out the next season of this. <laughs> Is this the smartest piece of television that's ever yeah, been created I, it, in it, terms in, of production in the, and in terms of what they're getting back for it? I mean, in the last many years, this is the smartest thing that anybody's ever done. I mean, because a few episodes in, you start to see the formula and you're like, oh my God, yeah. they're going to make a billion dollars forever. Right. Like this is, the guy doesn't even have to fucking be there. This is genius. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, and we talked about that scene earlier in the season where he jumps down into the ship and I was like, that was not Pedro Pascal right now. And I'm very curious I almost, in fact, I almost guarantee it was. I almost guarantee it was, just because I'm so sure it wasn't. I guarantee they <laughs> show like that a behind time the scenes. Was Pedro? They're like, yeah. So we had Pedro jump down in the ship here and actually told the stuntman to go home that day. Fucking. By the way, quick aside. Do you know that Pedro Pascal has like either a running character arc or he is a character in one of the Kingsman movies, maybe multiple. No, but I got, I've never I got, seen I any gotta of those. see those. People say they're really good, like fun action movies. Those like are the movies John Wick style, where everyone has a cane that they can use as a gun. I think. Something like that. Yeah, I feel like that's the plot. He's in one of those. I got to see those. Old white guy. I think he wears a cowboy hat. Cane guns. Big fan of canes. My grandpa used to have all these canes by the door. He never used a cane. I don't know why the fuck he had them. A collection of canes, and I used to. One of them had a duck head on it. Anyway, I liked uh, the Mandalorian and a good cane. Enough said. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Felix Gray. You may not realize it, but the average American blasts their eyes with bright screens for 11 hours every day. And when you consider how much your life revolves around your phone, your computer, your television, all the different devices that we have, that might not seem so crazy, right? Like I'm legitimately staring at my phone or my computer, my laptop, my TV for every waking hour of my life at this point. The fact is we cannot eliminate extensive screen time from our lives, but we can protect our eyes from it with a pair of Felix Grey blue light filtering glasses available in both non-prescription and prescription. The majority of Americans live with tired, dry eyes, blurry vision, or headaches caused by screens. And if this sounds familiar, Felix Grey glasses are for you. They filter out 90% of high-energy blue light and eliminate 99% of glare coming from your daily barrage of screens. Unlike other blue light filtering glasses, they actually use proprietary blue light technology embedded into the lens as opposed to the cheap coating that can easily chip or scratch over time that some of their uh, competition uses. Felix Grey is on a mission to make fashionable, high-quality blue light protection widely accessible by offering a variety of frames for all face shapes and style preferences. I have the Faraday frames in black. I wear them pretty much every night um, when I'm getting in bed to watch a little bit of a movie or a TV show with the dogs before I go to sleep. My eyes are tired at that point, man. Sometimes when I'm gaming, I'll throw them on as well because my eyes are tired in the evening after I've had my contacts in all day staring at screens. And the second that I put these things on, I can feel the relief. They actually do an incredible job with glare off of computer screens as well. Um, if you're into gaming or, or just love watching TV and movies like we do. But uh, don't go another day looking at screens without the help of some Felix Grays. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC for free shipping and 30 days of risk-free returns or exchanges. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC. Barrett, let's talk about The Witcher. The hive is excited. It's buzzing. Oh, yeah, it's buzzing. Bees. Um... I actually passed out before I finished episode two last night. Okay. But I'm actually okay with us discussing it in its entirety if you'd like to. But 
let's get pilot well, first. I, yeah, I, and I don't, and I don't really. I mean, we can't. We don't if, have to go specific. Yeah, we can talk if we want show. to. But we, but I really want to talk about the show. Since and this, we're, what's our setup? That's what we want to do here. Right? Sure, sure. What's our setup? What's going on? What do we know about this 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 Witcher situation? For Barrett and I, our familiarity began with it. What? What was that? Probably uh, six months ago. In Less? the last six months. Yeah. We found out, okay, Netflix so we is are, doing it. We are, we are Witcher virgins. Yes. Not book readers, not video not game video players. Not video gamers, no. Neither. We know nothing We're going about in Geralt. Of or Roach. Or We're Roach. Info free. Yes. So the first time or we Yennefer. see- Yes. We don't know shit about any of these people, Barrett and I. And- Renfrey. We had heard- I love that name for some reason. Renfrey. Yeah. Uh, we had heard- Obviously, that this was coming, that it was going to be a big, big budget. Oh, yeah. That, that Netflix, this is essentially them going for their Game of Thrones, is mm-hmm. what people were saying, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And the first reaction was, well, good luck. Everything based on a video game ever, for the most part, with a very few exceptions, has been terrible shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I don't think The Witcher as a franchise in America is as recognizable as people wanted to pretend it was, as Witcher fans want to pretend it is. I, I don't think so either, but having said that, I was shocked at how many people, you know, the, at how many people came out of this hive getting themselves named the Witcher Hive by us here at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles slash Oystar Clam Co. It's weird. And it's maybe it, we're it, the bubble. We're the weirdos who didn't know about this shit. Maybe everybody else does or something. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I realized that, that our show... Uh, you know, kind of is is interesting to people that are into this type of thing, that are into shows and books and TV and entertainment and all that type of stuff. So it's not the best, Jerry. The best. It's not crazy that that our that a lot of our listeners were already kind of invested in this series, but it was certainly off of my radar. And it's I'm not I, something and, and I would. Again, I'm su- I'm a little surprised it was off your radar in particular because the video game is apparently so popular, which is another aspect of it that's weird to me. I don't know a single person, now I do, because I play video games mm-hmm. with all these fucking gamers, but from real life, I don't yeah, know a single right. person who's ever played or mentioned The Witcher to me, and that includes nerdy college roommates that I didn't sign up for. So it's, I guess it's like, a, it's like low-key popular. It's like, it's not up on the surface, but there's a big, there's a very big following for it. Apparently, there's yes. A, you know, on the, Witcher, on the Witcher scene. No, no, it's like it's a it's a cult following that yeah, broke yeah. through into the mainstream yes. of cult following. That's yeah, whatever the fuck much, that means. Hey, you know what? For me, much like Game of Thrones, I'd never heard of a Song of Ice and Fire before Game of Thrones came out. Damn, and yet see, it, and you it can was see how like, if you were sitting at a fucking table in Netflix and they could start to convince you of this yeah. shit too. And I and and a lot of people were reading those books. And honestly, it's one of the things that it has going for it right now is that I remember what I felt like after the first few episodes of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, I'm into this. I'm excited. I have no fucking clue who too many of these people are <laughs> or any clue what's going on yet, but I could feel like you could, it had me. It mm-hmm. grips into you. And The Witcher has, all right, first of all, the opening scene of the entire series, they chose to do a fight, mm-hmm. which is not unusual considering the advances they were able to make in fighting technology for this show or whoever they hired to do the choreographing or whatever the CGI is because it was dope as fuck. That, in my opinion, I loved the monster fight to start the series because it, it set the bar for the violence for the fight, for the fight scenes. They're going to need to be incredible. You're going to need to have badass monsters if there's monsters. Mm-hmm. And then it took it away. You know what I mean? Like... You go from that fight to like forty minutes of talking. Yeah, the the 
it w- it was all good. And, and then I, there's more. And I agree that the that the fighting is very strong here. And one of the things that we talked about on a Patreon episode is about how early reports were that some of the fight scenes were like putting Game of Thrones to shame from like a violence level. Mm-hmm. And we got that in the first two episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is like this takes in an in a surprising way. This takes like the medieval style like whole towns getting raped thing. Yeah, dude. To an elevated height. It's, they are it is, not really playing there at when, all. When when our when our crazies from Nilfgaard Nilfgarden attacks Nilf, Sintra, the Nilfgaard <laughs> dudes are fucking crazy. Like they that is they are reaping and raving and murdering everybody in a way that Game of Thrones kind of touched on, but like in eight. But didn't go all the way there, really. I mean, only a lot when of the Dan- time. Spoiler alert: If you didn't watch Game of Thrones, she has uh, she gets very angry and she <laughs> burns everything. And no, not until that point had we ever gotten something like that in Thrones. So that like, so that was pretty crazy. And then a lot of the more the close quarters combat. Obviously, I think that they've taken a lot of cues from video games because it feels like a video game to me. It's and that's, tight, that's but it what's feels cool about video it. Yeah. yeah, no, they have, there's moves, right? Like right. He's like yes. executing like a rip through this dude's face with a sword. Like it, yeah. it was gnarly shit that goes down. You brought up the uh, the Nilfgaard situation. So we're thrown into that kingdom um, that gets absolutely wrecked by Nilfgaard. And it's our secondary story, I'll call it. Okay, we've got Geralt and his horse, Roach. Mm-hmm. Geralt is essentially a wandering mercenary, neither hero nor villain. Who, nor human. Nor human, or an affected human, perhaps. I don't really know. He's yeah. been... He keeps yelling him and uh, uh, Nefarious... What's her name? Milf Hunter. The, what's the... Uh, earlier... Milf? Rinfrey. Rinfrey. Um, <laughs> Milf Hunter? No, sorry. They keep... Uh, Milf Hunter? They keep... They keep, she says something like, they created you just like they created me. Mm, mm. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, maybe he's yeah, human yeah, yeah. that it was turned. It almost reminded me of like a cold hand. Yeah, kind of yeah, maybe. Okay, okay. That's fair. Um, or Uncle Benjamin, whatever, book readers versus TV watchers. But he's just, this dude's just trying to get paid. He's out there trying to make money. He's a dude. Yeah. This is his job. He witches. He's out. He's out there uh, for the, the coin, witch. baby. Yeah, yeah, he wants some coin. He's just and, out there for the coin. And then, as Cole's one of my the dudes I play with uh, uh, video games with anyway, who's really into this and did play the video game, said it's the constant pain in the ass for him. Is that it's always somebody being like, "I've got a mission for you and some coin." And then after he does the mission, he's like, "Can I get that coin?" And they're like, "I don't have it, haha!" And like run off. Like he's never getting paid. He's always like. It's almost a little bit, um, and you finished episode two, whereas I have not. Do you get the feeling it's a little bit episodic in the Mandalorian way, where it's like adventure, adventure, adventure? Yeah, so episode two definitely kind of gives you that vibe that like that that on on this track, wherever it's taking Bigger us- Bigger mission, girl in the forest, they, right? There are going to be some smaller missions. missions. Yeah. At the same time- that one in episode two mm-hmm. does kind of like give you some of the backstory as well. Yeah. Okay. So so maybe in this early going, they're going to use those to kind of like as set the world up for you. Yeah. I wonder if they'll roll because that the way it's been explained to me anyway, essentially in the books and the video game, mm-hmm. that's sort of how it works. Yeah, okay. And yeah. that like, for instance, because that question I was asking Coles is the, the wizard from episode one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like this really cool character, right? I mean, he's clearly a bad guy. Who is shockingly taller than Henry 
Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. He's very- uh, I mean, I did look it up. Henry Cavill's 6'1", so he's not like a towering dude. He's actually 6'1". I, think I say it, I believe Cavill. The, you say Cavill. I don't know, though. I don't know. Well, you do yours and I'll do mine. 6'1", one one, perfect right. height. Okay. That dude, the nefarious sorcerer, taller. Yeah. Big mm -hmm. dude. Big dude. But probably not going to be seen again, as I'm, as it's been explained to me. Hmm. Uh, we see him in episode two at some point. Do we? Yeah. Maybe I just whiffed on that somehow. Huh. Well, point being- I think I he's going to be around. I think he's going to be oh, around. Oh, okay. So at like least he, for a little while. He was one where I was like, that guy was so good. It would be a, a, kind of a bummer to me to not utilize him as a villain throughout. Yeah. So, okay. I'm glad that that's the case. Yeah. Because I was a little worried at that point when it was being explained to me that maybe we would just be basically pumping and dumping, like bringing, bringing in cool cameo oh, right, badass right, right. actors and like having them be a character for an episode, but then they're gone. No, I think that's going to stick around because I have a feeling that, that, that the, the story that he tells about all the girls born under the yeah, whatever, the black under the black sun. Yeah. I think that's going to be a, well, it has a yes. storyline of the show. It certainly seems to apply to our I guess now queen, I don't know what, princess that ran away from uh, the place that got rocked by Nilfgaard. Mm -hmm. Only name I can remember at this point is Nilfgaard. <laughs> Nilfgaard. And I was I was very interested in the way they set that up. Yeah. Because it was super Game of Thronesy. I mean, they leaned in, they, you know, you had the overly done hair. He was just a brunette, a dark haired man instead of Jamie Lannister, but he had really overdone hair. He has the worst line in maybe television history where he yells out, we're losing! In the middle of the battle, <laughs> the king just goes, we're losing. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? And then he takes an arrow to like the forehead. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway, they set up that whole kingdom, got, right? They set up, I mean, they give us very big views of this incredible castle and all these buildings. Mm -hmm. And then they roll Nilfgaard in and burn the whole motherfucker down Yeah. by the end of the first episode, which is just sort of like... That was one of the things that worked for me. It put weight behind the story of like, I don't listen, the cheesy shit like the girl in the woods is your destiny. Mm -hmm. I don't like that, that I that we're having Renfrey, a character that he's killing, is telling him that. Like, I don't know how that's supposed to make sense to me. But I mean, one of the things that, that I liked in episode one was that they, if you're paying attention, they very clearly tell you in so many words that we have two timelines going on. So far. What? Yeah. What 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 timelines would those be? So Nilfgaard. Okay. Future. What? Or present. And Renfri past. Oh, that makes sense though. Because Siri, young blonde girl, uh huh, talks is talking to her grandmother Sintra? No. Cal Calanche, something like that. C word. The yeah. the yeah, Calanche. <laughs> The C word. Uh -huh. uh, we're, I'm just going to call her Calanche. That's definitely not it. Sorry, Witcher Hive, but right. I'm going to botch this we one. We could do we're, the Arrested Development right now. We're not going to. I'm just saying we could if we wanted to. We're two. We're two Witchers in. We're going and they threw. God, they threw a lot of names out out at us. Whew. So it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna take us a, a minute here to, to get everything. Anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, it'll be a few. So uh, she's sitting there at the dinner at the feast, talking to her grandmother, and she's like. I'm ready. Like you won your first battle when you were a kid. When you were a kid, and she names the battle. She's like over there at Lake Beauregard or right. whatever it was. And then we get Renfrey and Witcher in the forest, and she says, "Cavanchi just won her first battle at Lake Beauregard." 
Oh, that's crazy. Okay. So we know that that is- I missed that shit too. That, that's like 30, 40 years- Damn. Apart. That makes it way better. Now that I know that. So there there are, yeah. So so Geralt kind of like going on going on about his daily life, getting coins to drop the loins and- That makes, okay, wow. And then Girl in the Forest, those are two- Wow. Two timelines right now. Gotcha. Which will, so we'll, we'll, in, which will inevitably meet at some point. We find out when they'll meet at some point in season one, I'm imagining probably towards the end. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. And I, and we don't know where Yennefer fits into all of this, but I right. think we're probably going to get more of a sense of that in season, in episode three, by the looks of the Okay, the, so the through two, grab. where's your excitement level versus like your anticipation going well, in? So Mine's I, high, admittedly, but I'm like 1.25 in. I'm having a, I'm having a lot of fun watching this show. It, it it's it's got some CW vibes to it. Does it? Yeah, that's you have, not a good thing you ever to put, say. You ever put on a show from CW or like sit down and watch an hour of like Vampire Diaries or Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I have for sure. It, I actually sat next to the Vampire Diaries guy with the the really handsome one with long hair who got in trouble recently. Oh yeah, Jared Padalecki. I sat next to that dude at, at a restaurant in Austin oh, at one nice. point. Yeah. Uh, he, just the way that it is, the way that it's lit. Some of the scenery, it's the it, they try to make it look all magical and shiny and sparkly, though, right? Yeah, isn't that part of the deal? It's like a Twilight thing. Yeah, but but I'm just here's another overarching thing that I just want to like put on top of everything that I'm saying about The Witcher. Okay, the next show that is as big or as close to as big as Game of Thrones will not be fantasy genre. Yeah, I, because, I feel that because Game of Thrones is going to hang over every single one of these. Whether it's an even, it will even hang over the Lord of the Rings, t- tell like television reboot. Yeah, it doesn't because work like all, that because either. we're always going to compare. It's but Barry, it's like the thing you and I in our prior career, uh, we, we we always used to talk about. We Barry and I worked for a publication where people would try to go viral, okay, and we used to joke about how you can't force something like that. It's not if I write a column and it's about sports. This is a stupid example, but like, okay, whatever. Goats. Let's say I write a column about goats, the different types of goats, Mm -hmm. and it goes crazy. And then everybody's like, oh, shit, I got to write columns about goats now. Everybody loved that goat column. We got to do goats. More (laughs) goats. Bring in the fucking goats. And everybody's doing that right now for Thrones reasons. Like, okay, let's get medieval. We'll all try to replicate. And like, you're not going to be able to force that vibe again. It's a thing that either hits or it doesn't. Even yeah. George R. R. Martin wrote the goddamn thing to not be able to be turned into a TV show, and then it happened. And and just for comparison's sake, I think what made Game of Thrones so compelling is that it was really a family drama couched in like this medieval fantasy genre. And it was doing sh- it was breaking TV rules that we had not seen broken before. They killed the main character at the end of season 1. Yes. I mean, that was fucking mind-blowing. And just to make at the time, just to make one more comparison, this show right after well, not only does it lead with its battle with a spider insect thing that has like a deformed baby head attached oh, yeah, to it. That thing was tight. But like very like right off the bat it's like this is high fantasy. This is Creatures and monsters and magic, inexplicable and wizard shit, chaos and wizards and sorcerers and, and witchers and like black the whole sons thing. and daughters being born under it and shit. And yeah, then lots so, of little girls being so executed like, because of this. So, f- f- to its credit, it's leaning way more into that. Whereas Thrones opens with some creepy White Walkers and we don't know anything but about them. It was such a tease. But then, yeah, it's like all about the family dynamics and like the family infighting and, and the, sword the, on sword battle, and sword not, on sword, not like magic battle, shit, right? Yeah. At the same time, 
like the very next scene that we get in The Witcher is, I think, the bar scene where he walks in. And again, and this is not to their credit, but they just leaned into like this trope of like of like bad cool guy walks into a bar and another guy says, I don't like you. Yeah. And then somebody else says, well, I'm in control of you and I'm going to tell you to sit down. Drinks are on me, tough guy. Yeah, but this is a that's and it's dude, like, dude. What you just did is here's why this is to their credit. It's just not to your liking. <laughs> it's that's perfect video game dialogue and vibes and like okay. him walking into that. They that, they went too hard but at the video were, game, but thing. the video game's based on the book. Yes, but it gives you that feeling of like it's like silly, but it's fantastical it's like it, it they crush this in lord of the rings any scene in a bar or in this in the inns or the taverns in lord of the rings they accomplish what they were trying to accomplish with that scene in the witcher it's just like it's this tone setting thing but they've used too many video game elements or something because the, the cw feel you're speaking to mm-hmm. absolutely hit me as well but then I started to like feel it as it was meant to be felt like a video game type of vibe. Yeah. And I sort of see what they were going for. Well, and again, like this is going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do this for the first couple of times that we talk about it. And then hopefully it'll, it'll start to fade or, but I just can grow on you. Yeah. I, I compare that to the hound walking into a bar and completely subverting all that. The hound just wants to eat some fucking chicken, man. Right. And when the tough guy says, hey, I don't like you, he brutally murders everybody in the bar. After being very annoyed that he has to do that. Like yes. that, like that, <laughs> the, your classic like heroics and somebody calms everybody down and then everybody's drinking beers even as they're resentfully like eyeing each other from across the tavern. Right. Like none of that shit. Like it's, it, it, it's just weird. It's like they, they, they just did different stuff with it that was just more like more realistic more well, so often you should ask yourself like i mean as a storyteller you got to go like all right what would everybody else want to happen here and then you do something else and game right. of thrones did that so many different times with uh, look the, the i'm not going to go down the list of spoilers it doesn't matter but um that that that's i don't know if they're going to be able to get to that yeah and i don't think they and i don't think they want to and so now to start praising the show a little bit like I'm okay with its CW-ness because it 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 has more it's pretty funny sometimes. Good it, there's a good amount of humor, yes. And like it's a it is more of a fantasy show. There is more magic and there is more sorcery and witchering and all that type of stuff. And it and I I'm also happy because it it knows that and is and isn't really trying to be too Game of Thronesy. In the second episode, did you get to the bard yet? Maybe. He was singing in another tavern? No. There's a dude singing in a tavern, and he is not singing any type of like medieval sounding song. He is strumming a lute, and it sounds like Fallout Boy. He goes on to write a song for the Witcher, for the Witcher which could be like a pop hit on the radio, basically, only instead of a guitar, he's playing a lute. Okay, but did and it work? And it's really funny. Okay. Yes. And so it's, it's the, it, that's the type of thing that like, so that, that makes you feel much better about the show's kind of like cheesiness. Right. Is that this show is going to be kind of, and I'm not, not saying it's bad, but it's kind of a show that's like, 
good because it's kind of bad. It feels like it's fucking with elements there, though, that on purpose. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like that's it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. No, that's right. That's but what I'm saying. What your I think the element that made you think CW is literally like that they have made it look like Twilighty because they're trying to get that magical feel to some of the scenes and shit. Like when Renfrey and him mm-hmm. are in the forest before they hook up and like, I mean, there's like it's almost you're like, are there fireflies flying around or like what's what's going on here? It's just a weird aura, right? Mm-hmm. And I think all that sort of comes together and adds up and just makes it a little funky. But yeah. you, again, you're deeper than I am too. But in, again, I'm also a lot more used to video games than you too. So that like sort of element of it sure. is, is really enjoyable for me so far. And I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see if they lean more into it or they pull back. I think they will pull back. And I remember in Game of Thrones in season one being like, there were people who complained about the fantasy elements. They didn't like that it was... Uh, because fantasy things were being thrown out, but never explained or shown mm-hmm. in the first season. So they were it was all in the background, the White Walkers and the the Grumpkins and Snarks or whatever beyond the wall and all the talk of the wall and north of the wall. And but you never saw any of that shit. It was just set up. Whereas we're we're I mean we're meeting wizards. We're doing wizard towers with naked chicks everywhere in them. In episode one of this thing, like mm-hmm. they're jumping deep into the magic, and I'm I'm thinking they will pull it back. That it's sort... Because Game of Thrones felt that way too. You felt like you were going to get swept into this world where it was all fantasy, all hardcore magic, and then they pulled it back and did family and... and, and I think it's going like the other said. way. You think it'll go all <laughs> fantasy? I think it's going pretty heavy fantasy. Okay. Yeah. That's cool though. If which, they can which, pull it off. Which is, yeah, which is fine. Like I, I'm, I am... I, I am ready to go home and keep watching The Witcher. Like don't, don't, do not get me wrong here. It's, it is a... It's a fun show, and I am into the story. Henry Cavill, God bless his hot ass. Oh, my God. Like, the man you know, is good looking. He is very, you know, I, I could just watch him for eight hours straight. It's fine. He's, he's really good at going like, Ugh. Yeah. The, oh, the Batman voice? What do you yeah. think about that? Uh, he, I, he needs to, like. That's un- another thing that I feel un- like they pulled. That, that, I feel, that, I feel, that I feel like they pulled from the video game. All that shit, dude, with the horse and his, all that shit's video game. That's all video like, game. Like, like the, his voice, even almost. I'm not. E- I'm almost not even sure that it's. That's just him doing that. It's almost like it has it? like a little filter on it. I could see that. Well, I mean, his face isn't just him either. If we're gonna talk about how fucking good looking he is, they. He's got magical CGI elements to his face in some scenes and shit. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Not to say that the man isn't. I mean, he glows. Good you know. No. You know. Hey, look, I watched uh, whatever the one with the. God, why can't I never remember the name of this show? Not the Royals. Tudors. The Tudors, thank you, with him in it back in the day, and he mm-hmm. killed that role. Yeah. And like from that point, I was like, this dude is going to be huge. He's just eventually. And then he got cast as obviously Superman. Superman, yeah. We had the mustache gaff, <laughs> very expensive mustache yeah, gaff. Yeah, yeah. Now he's got his Netflix show. He's Geralt. He's Geralt of Rivia, yes. With a guy who- the Butcher of Blaviken. Horse named Roach. Cool names in this Blaviken. It's very there's like Viking elements to a lot of this shit. What else about The Witcher? Uh, Yennefer, the crooked girl. Mm-hmm. She's about to get hot. I heard that. Yep. One of the guys on the stream told me. But I think that her crooked face. I I found it endearing personally. Um, is she all episode two? The crooked nature of her crooked face endearing. Well, just her her whole her whole aura and personality. Oh, I, I I love that they brought that character, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, the way it was introduced too. Um, 
But so that's that's going to be exciting to see what what, ha- what happens there. You know what I think I probably happened. I think I saw the first like ten minutes, fell asleep, and purple woke eyes up, on like, that one, yellow on the Witcher. The eye color thing. Did not notice his yellow. Her purple struck me though. I was like, God damn, those are very purple eyes. Mm-hmm. Very. How many is okay? The little girl where you are in episode two. Siri, yeah. Siri, what? what is she gonna? Uh, is she just running through the woods still, or what's the deal? Where are we at? Yeah, uh, she gets help from another character. Okay, called Rat Boy, and finds like the the remaining moving camp of Sintra. And they are promptly attacked again by Nilfgaarden. Oh, come on! <laughs> are you serious? And she has to haul ass out of there with Ratboy, yeah. Dude, these Nilfgaard guys are bad. They are very, oh yeah, they're 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 bad to the bone, baby. Wow, all right. No, I, <laughs> and look, to your point, something you said earlier, you're excited to go home and watch The Witcher. Yeah, yeah, That's definitely. the only place we need to be so far. It's true. A couple episodes in, you, they just need to have a site for the next one, and you, and you build from there. I like the start. I think it is a very ambitious vehicle to attempt to capture a Game of Thrones-sized audience. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, no. But they have the beginnings of what could be a very enjoyable show here. I'm also... With I, good I, characters. One of the things I was thinking about, I just I, I almost put on Game of Thrones uh, the pilot. Yeah. Just so and just so I could count like how many different names and places we heard mm-hmm. in the pilot. There's a lot. And then compare it to It was similar. The Witcher. Because that was I get I get they the comparison so for that reason. Because when they start saying names in the first twenty minutes of the Witcher episode one, you're like, Oh my god, what? It's the first time I've felt that overwhelmed mm-hmm. my memory, my poor poor memory since Game of Thrones since I was like wait what what, what, what? you need to write down these cities and all these names what? Yeah. and then you won't hear about a lot of this shit for like ever again or a few <laughs> weeks or like whatever like yeah, yeah. We, were, we were propping up shit in that kingdom that I was like alright alright brain this guy's name need to have that guy's name he's fucking dead five minutes later like he was the king he's gone iced yeah. I mean every the whole thing it was it was it was brutal too. I'll say yeah, this: it's just hard because you feel like you're supposed to know who these things and people are <laughs> yeah. and places are but it's like you just kind of have to like relax and like let the show get there and tell you because that because it will if it's worth its salt. The chick who played, um, I guess, her grandmother, the one who throws herself from the window. Oh the, yeah, goes full Tommen. Yeah, that goes absolutely full <laughs> Tommen. And like, in fact, I'll say Tommen executed that his suicide so much better than she did. Well, he, I mean, he's the goat at jumping out a window. He hit the window and boop. Yeah, the greatest gif of all time. She <laughs> lingered for way too long, Barrett. She needs to go back and study the film. You hit the ledge and you go, you just head first straight down. Right. She, it's about keeping your body stiff as a board. <laughs> and adding comedy to your death. She failed to do so. It was way too dramatic and sad and, and less funny than I wanted it to be. But that actress did a g- very good job with a role that, look... Imagine you're watching, you know, Cersei die in season eight or whatever. God, mm-hmm. it's so hard not to just throw out Game of Thrones spoilers constantly. It's, it's, Ross, it's I fine. know it doesn't matter. It's fine. It freaks me out for some reason. Like, there's going to be some kid listening who's like, I want to watch Game of Thrones. Well, then, you know, well, the show is called Oysters, Tough, Clemson, tough titties Cockles. for that person. Yeah, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, you, I, I can no longer help you. Um, what was my point? What was I talking about? Chick. Sintra. No, not Sintra. Oh. Uh, Cavanchi. C word. Grandma. 
she did a very, very good job with that character. And if you're watching Cersei die at the end of uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, you've had eight seasons to build on your emotions with this character, to watch her right. then die, to feel things. So she had to really play up like the drama and the heartbreak of her scenario because we're only seeing day, you know, the last day of the kingdom. Right. We go into the episode and she's like, nah, those dudes are never going to come here and fuck with us. Like, it's unlikely. I think we're probably good. Let's talk about some general strat. And then, like, a guy <laughs> walks up to the table and is like, hey, the Nilfgaard people, um, they're already here. They're breaching the gates. And, right, then, right and then she's like, immediately, like, a tear, like, falls down her face. And you're like, oh, well, all these people are going to die. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but I thought she did a great job sort of balancing that because we know nothing about her, very limited amount, and it's a very dramatic death. And I thought I just thought she pulled it off. Yeah, basically. I I didn't. I thought her performance was pretty good. Laura did not like that. Didn't like grandma character or that performance. But uh, I didn't. I wasn't. For some reason, I liked. I it. thought it was good too. The guy, the king, the idiot that yells, "We're losing!" Uh, he killed me. I didn't. I don't know why. I couldn't stand that dude. Yeah, it was something about like I just I felt like they cast him in an effort to capture the Jamie Lannister feels mm -hmm. in a, a, a dark haired man. And that upset me. Yeah. yeah. But stoked for The Witcher. Stoked for the, the Hive for all of you. I've heard nothing but positive things from The Hive so far. The Hive is is uh, definitely liking it. Enjoying what they've watched. They are liking it and they're loving it. Good. This pleases me. <laughs> We're now part I, of it. I think. I think. We're part of The Hive now. You can chime in. Uh, just hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, holler at us. Let, you, at let us know. At Barrett Dudley. At W.R. Bowen. Witcher Hive. At Clams know. and Cockles. How you're liking it. Yeah. Just give us a give us a little tweetsy. And we'll get back on The Witcher uh, wherever we're at next week. Let's say well, you want to try to get through like four. Yeah. 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 I think we can. I think I can definitely get through you're four. You're already through two. Because I'm already through more. two. Okay. I can Mandalorian's over. I can do that. I can do that. Let's do it. Uh, one the more thing I wanted to touch started, on. Yeah. Or actually two more things I wanted to touch on quickly before we bounce. First, Kevin Smith. Yeah. The alternate ending, or not, I don't want to call it an alternate ending. He revealed that there were plans for a potential other ending for the Joker, uh, in which Arthur Fleck was going to be the one who murdered Batman's parents. Yes. And during the psychologist meeting, when she asks him, what's so funny? And he says, you wouldn't get it. We were going to get a flashback to him murdering Bruce Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne's parents, mm -hmm. Thomas and whatever okay. Wayne. Now that would have been a big deal because it would have killed Batman. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the other part. They were going to murder Batman. <laughs> they were going to have him kill Batman's parents, start to walk away, shrug, turn around and murder the kid. Yeah. So we were going to see Bruce Wayne get taken out of Gotham, which would have set up an entirely different universe uh, than the one we obviously know in which he saves the fucking city over and over. So Barrett, your take was essentially... When I t we were texting about this, mm -hmm. you were like, what the fuck is the deal with Kevin Smith? What? So, okay. I, I don't like Kevin Smith. <laughs> he he strikes me as a real dumbass shit stick that got incredibly lucky with a few of his early movies. Okay. Now, I I can already tell, saying it out loud, how stupid that sounds, because you don't, you, you maybe get lucky with one movie, you don't get lucky with several. So and, and I liked those movies. I liked Mallrats and Chasing Amy, and um, and Clerks and like his early films and See, even 
Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Was never a guy so, in their universe. Didn't like, didn't do clerks, didn't fuck with any of that. I watched Jay and Silent, Jay and Silent Bob, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, I don't know what's going on here, I'm out. But, so, now, he, he's like, he's a podcast host, he just seems to be like a Hollywood stalwart, he's just around doing why, why things. Why does he always have a hockey jersey on, though? And, and I don't, I don't like his big dumb look. Um, backwards hat hockey jersey. backwards hat hockey jersey or and and look man i'm looking through his look you lost a lot of Clerks, weight holy small shit. rats chasing amy dogma jay and silent bob and then it goes downhill he hadn't made a good movie since 2001 then it, jersey girl clerks Two, zach and miri make a porno cop out red state tusk he was in Yoke, zach and miri make a Yoke, porno he directed it yoga hosers holidays jay and silent bob reboot and that's all. That's what he's done since 2004. So he keeps making these shitty movies for the last 15 years now, and yet seems to get to chime in on everything. And then I was listening to another podcast, and the people were at the Star Wars premiere, and the critics have hated this new Star Wars movie okay. for reasons that I strongly agree with. But the but the whole the the talk around it how it has basically been about how this third one was made for Star Wars fans, right? They just wanted to give them what the what they wanted, which is all the characters together, and it's about friendship, and it's Han Solo, and it's Leia, and it's Luke, and everybody matters, and it's just this one. It's always been about this one story, and that's that, and let's get these new characters together with the old characters, even though the new ones don't really matter and don't have their own stories really that much, <laughs> and we're just going to bring back the old villain because the new ones didn't work out, yada, yada. And <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to these guys talk about it, and at the end of the movie... Kevin Smith is just like standing up, like clapping like a psycho because of how much he loves this thing. Okay. And so that just makes me hate him even more. I, what because I of, don't because, like because, about him. Because that's that's him. That's that's the type of guy that he is. Okay. But what I don't like about him is that I have no idea what to make of him. I can't even hear his voice in my head. You I know just, what I'm saying? Yeah. I, he, and yet he's always connected to everything for some reason. That's what I'm saying. My 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 biggest thing here is not that he liked the new Star Wars film or that he hasn't directed a good movie in 15 years. It's I don't understand why he gets to chime in on everything. And yes. so the, the I was I took a front to him revealing this. It was alternate a ending headline grab because it didn't. I don't really believe it. Like I and I think the ending. I think that would have been cool. I actually would have liked if. Arthur Fleck had killed Batman. It would have felt a little overkill to me, but yeah, no, I'm with you. But I I'm mean, just like, what are you doing, man? It's a headline how grab. Do you, how do you know that? Is that, it even real? I'm telling did you. Somebody, did somebody, did, did Todd Phillips say that you could say that? I mean, guess what the most recent announcement from Kevin Smith is? That he's again working on Mallrats 2. So it sounds like it's him trying to get his name in the fucking papers and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which we're giving him by talking about it. But yeah, yeah. It is a, a crazy, he alleges that he was like, what? in the writer's room or part of the team or was privy to the fact that they almost went this route. Okay. Or whatever. And it is a crazy enough angle and creative and cool enough and a lot of people wish they had gone this route mm-hmm. that it got that it's worthy of talking about. So, yeah, I, I, we just wanted to delve into Kevin Smith momentarily, but more importantly... Have, have you heard the these... I saw another headline that was like, prevailing theory about Joker is that... N- like it's all in his head, the entire thing. How would that's an? Ins- but what is the point of that theory? Theories like that drive me nuts because it's yeah. like, what are you going to do with that information? Right. 
you tell me, okay, so now I have to go back and watch the movie and think about it to myself that if none of it had ever happened, like, I, that, that part never mattered to me in American Psycho. Mm. I don't end that movie and go, did Patrick Bateman actually do any of that shit? I just, it's not the point to me. It's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he did I'm, to me. I, I'm with, you know I mean, I'm, I'm with you on Joker. I think that would be kind of a, be a little cop weird. out, right? I would, I would be incredibly upset if that was somehow a thing they tried to tie in. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I watched the movie. I watched Joker finally for my second watch. All right, you and I watched it together in theaters. I was on edibles, very high, <laughs> very good, but very high. Watched it stone cold sober. Much more intense than I remember. <laughs> I think I had taken some of the edge off, like because it was dark and I was in there like, "Damn, this is really crazy." But when the movie ended, I wasn't like, "Oh my god, dude!" I watched it sober and I was like, "Oh my god, that was fucking crazy!" Like he just blew Robert De Niro's head off, and then yeah, like, and then he gets carried out into the street and like a fucking uh, a mob forms, yeah, and, yeah. and, and chaos reigns. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. But the, Mer the the Robert De Niro thing was way, for whatever reason, way less shocking to me in theaters than it was at home, and I'd already seen it. <laughs> but just sober, no weed. It's pretty intense. It's too heavy. I mean, he shoots him point blank, like right in the face. And, he, he's, and he's just, dude, he's bro the, the way he acted. Do we have that guy locked up somewhere? Joaquin? <laughs> Joaquin? <laughs> he's Has out, he been treated? He's out on the streets. <laughs> you can't let the Joker wander around. Whoever plays him has to go get treated. <laughs> That's the way it should work. It should be in your contract. You have yeah. to get locked up for like, you literally go to Arkham for a month after you play <laughs> the Joker so that they can rehabilitate you. Can't just turn these dudes loose. Point is, he's so good in his role mm -hmm. that it made me uneasy. Oh, like, yeah. Like I was like, oh, fuck, dude, this guy's fucked for life. Like there's no way you can come back from playing that part that well without being sick in the my, head. My question, my, my take on that is, I think Heath Ledger was like a pretty normal, chill dude. That leaned into it hard. That went down that, went down that road and then never was, came out. Yeah. Know, like succumbed to it. Joaquin is already there. A crazy person. I agree. Uh, that's a very good point. So it probably wasn't too much of a stretch for him to just kind of like. That's his realm. That, yeah. To just kind of be in this character. He was born in the darkness. Yeah. yeah. No, he's fucking crazy. I just, I was blown away by how, how something about watching that movie the first time through. I was not focusing on like his performance or like I was just there, man. I was just along for the ride and watching it with a little more critical eye. I was like, my, not only is it more intense than I remembered his, his performance is just next level. It makes your skin crawl. It makes you very uncomfortable. And that's what he was going for. Indeed. Yeah. Um, last thing we, we have made fun of cats Okay, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that we need to go down the full cat's rabbit hole again, <laughs> sure. but just very quickly, it is quite humorous that the film has bombed to the degree it has bombed financially. It was getting made fun of, we all knew it was a disaster, total shit show of a cast and crew, and everything about it is just like they were setting themselves up almost to just be mocked. Yes. But then when you add the financial element, that like, historically... It is doing numbers. <laughs> it has lost over 70, projected to lose over, I think they're, they're, you've seen anything between 70 and 125 million in terms of numbers that they're projecting to lose. And that is, uh, that is enough money to get a lot of people fired. I need to know who signed off on this project. That's the, I wish there was some element of Hollywood that would do that. 
Like, all right, this movie is the worst thing anybody's ever made. Now let's get the story. Whose idea was this? What the hell happened here? Mm-hmm. I want to know who put their own money up to make this fucking movie because somebody did. Somebody backed this thing. People, companies, big people said, yes, this is a great idea. We need to do this. Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. I got to see it in theaters, Barrett. Um, I'm not going to do that. I have to. <laughs> it's not a decision that I have made. It's a thing that I know in my soul that I have to do. I've made too much fun of cats, even before I knew this movie was going to be a thing, to not go watch it go up in flames on the silver screen. I, I, I'm just going to add a little bit of, uh, of, of personal anecdote here. To cats? To, to, the whole, to the whole thing. In all of the cats film hubbub and mockery, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of questioning about what the musical is in the first place, why it's enjoyable. Yes. And just talk about how the 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 play itself, the musical, is a phenomenon because nobody understands why it was ever popular in the first place. Right. I just want to say, I saw Cats on Broadway when I was like somewhere in the range of eight to ten years old okay. and loved it. Damn it. What? Like, we listened to the cat soundtrack in the car. The music is really, really good and fun. Oh, my God. Like, it is a, it is an entertaining and enjoyable musical. Oh, my God. I'm going to... Uh, here's what... It here's, is the all-time worst here's musical the, here's of all time. The, here's the caveat. Here's the caveat. I think you have to like cats. You just like memory. You like one song. No, I, memory. Liked, I liked all of them. I, I liked, like cats, Barrett. Cats, the animals. The play is shit. It's utter... It's, you know what somebody pitched to me the other day? They said, because you just spoke to the problem. Nobody wants, nobody knows why it exists. What's the point? Dude, it's one, somebody of, the, pitched it's one, me of, the, it's one of the most successful musicals in of the all time. Running of all time. Ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Somebody pitched me on it being a secret furry community, that it's all furries. You remember the episode of Entourage where Johnny Drama hooks uh-huh. up with a furry? Furries are people who exclusively make love in large uh, uh, stuffed animal costumes right. is how I understand yeah, yeah. my version of furries. Google furries if you want. Don't Google furries at, at your work <laughs> computer or school computer. Google it at home. And and somebody pitched me on that, that this is all, it's j- that's all cats has ever been. It's for furries and everybody else. The rest of us are just morons watching it, going, oh, cool, memory. Huh, I mean, I, I dude, I liked the music. I liked Rum Tum Tugger. I just I, the, now that I'm sitting across from you, hearing you say these the, things, how do I know you're not a furry? <laughs> I don't. So I, th- that's. I just want to put that out there that this musical is fun and enjoyable. And I just want to put out there that it's not. But yes, you you and I are on totally different teams with Cats, Barrett. And then, and and the 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 wildest thing to me here in the whole debacle is the decision for the skin suit, fake fur, anthropomorphic, animal, cat, human, yes. hybrid Why? Look. Why did they go that route? But why That's did what... this become a thing that everyone in Hollywood was suddenly confused about? You saw what happened with the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer, the first one they put yes. out? Yes. People lost their I know, and they, they spent like $25 million or whatever it. to go back and redo the entire look of Sonic. Sonic is a different Sonic yes. than the OG we saw. Yep. Well, not that, that was confusing. That was, that, that was honestly the precursor to this. As soon as I saw these cat human things running around on the screen, I was like, oh, well, this is a disaster. 
Yeah, and the, the, it's just the one shot of Taylor Swift turned back to the camera with her mouth opened uh, that gets put literally everywhere, and it's it's the epitome of creepy to me. They they either needed to stick with the look of the play, which is very obviously people in cat costumes, uh-huh. or go like animated. Yeah, this is weird because Jennifer Hudson is like a cat. You know? Yeah, they, but they also a CGI. Human. For, yeah, but then she has a. No, it's a human face with cat stuff on it. <laughs> yeah, this was this was an error. In judgment. <laughs> it was, it, it's horrible. It's fucking horrible. scary too, though. Like, oh, this is a headline. Relax, comma, the Cats movie is perfectly enjoyable. <laughs> wow. Yeah, hell yeah. And uh, Well, good. Then I'll, when I see it in theaters, I'll be, I'll be enjoying myself. Um, no, but historically, the money that they're losing is, is epic. Enough, pe- it's like, you know how when the Adam Sandler movie comes out and everybody makes fun of it because it's shit, it, right now is a really bad time for me to use that as an example with Uncut Gems, but usually an Adam Sandler movie comes out, we all make fun of it, we're like, what a stu- grown-ups too, are you fucking kidding me? And then he brings in $400 million and laughs all the way to the bank, mm-hmm. and we're all like, wait, what? Uh, that's not happening here. We're all making fun of it, and literally no one is going to the theater. Dude, and I, I mean, it, another question for you. How do they get, at, at what point... As an actor, do you realize this is a disaster? This is a total disaster. Yeah, and you like look down at your skin-colored cat suit thing that they're then going to CGI fur onto, and you look in the mirror and you see the makeup that's on your face, and you look out at the set and you see that they've they've uh, they've 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 accidentally made the scale wrong. Like you're way too small compared to the chair. Like you should be much bigger compared right. to the chair. You're not. You're not a mouse in it living with giants. No, you're just a cat in a regular human room. Sure. And you see all this, and you, then you look over there, and there's uh, James Corden in a fat suit, just being a total <laughs> dumbass. And you're like, <laughs> I've made that a cat suit. I've for made. That. A, I've made a huge tiny mistake. And then you get the fuck out. I've always wondered this. It has to be something about your contract that once you're in, you literally cannot. Because think about how many movies, like on day eight, an actor would be like, holy shit, this is god awful. I, and I also think it must be really, really, really hard to tell. Because there's so much going on. I think that's probably right. And too. you're not in every scene. And you're just trying to do your job and yep. your part. Yeah. And then you pray. And that's why so many actors and actresses don't watch their own shit. Yeah. Ever. Also, we can look here at the cast and the director and the money that they are losing, and we know that the payday for all of these people was probably very mm, yes. um, lucrat- high, lucrative, very and they didn't want to give up their uh, doll hairs, which is also understandable. By the way, the director of this, Tom Hooper, directed The Danish Girl, Les Miserables, The King's Speech, the HBO miniseries John Adams. Two wow. Ep- yeah, like this is a four very good things you just named. This is this is a this is a top notch director. Forgive yourself, guy. This isn't on you. Nobody so, could have known this was going to happen. Everybody <laughs> could have known, but you know, he swung for the dude. He went, "I can do this shit." <laughs> he he looked at his own resume like you just did, and he was like, "Fuck that! I got cats. Easy." Um, one, very last thing. There's a movie that was show. Uh, I was, it was explained to me on the stream the other night. It's called The Fanatic. It is a 2019 John Travolta movie that is allegedly one of the worst movies ever made. An American psychological thriller directed and co-written 
by Fred Durst. <laughs> okay. Of Limp Biscuit. And as Limp Biscuit. As this was explained to me, it may be the worst movie of all time. And I, I, I'm, we're not going to get into it. We're just going to leave it at that. If you want to go look into The Fanatic, do it. It literally earned $3,153 <laughs> on opening day. Making yeah. it, oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish this quote. It earned $3,153 from 52 theaters in the U.S. on its opening day, quote, making it a U.S. box office failure. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna do. It's gonna do num. It's gonna do numbers in Europe, though. That's what they're saying. Is it really? This is uh, no, no, uh, no. It is man. Not. So he be- Travolta went Gotti, which is like one of the lowest rated movies of all time. Yes, and then right into the Fanatic, where he plays a character. Although, also, I, sh- I should tell you this: his character's name in the Fanatic is Moose. Oh, good Moose. It also co-stars Devin Sawa. Oh, here's part of the reason this film um, is apparently such a disaster. It's also uh, high-key, allegedly offensive. Okay. He plays a man who has autism, Moose. <laughs> and Moose is a huge fan of an action film called Hunt, or an action film actor called Hunter Dunbar. And I think he becomes like a... I don't know what the, where it goes from there. But that alone, it's Travolta. His name is Moose. He has autism. <laughs> and it made $3,000 on opening day. And it was in 52 theaters. Is is doesn't this feel like another... Th- I'm like, this is like Cats. Like, I feel like I have to watch this. Oh, wow. I have a screen grab pulled up here, and it's Devin Sawa, the action hero. He's screaming at John Travolta, who you can tell is attempting to play an autistic person. Oh, not good. Not good. And that doesn't... Yeah. D- uh, no. Doesn't, doesn't... Oh, wow. I'm looking at that screen grab right now. It doesn't check out. I'll tell you Just that much. Just grab alone, I can tell you this is not going to be good. This is going to be a very big problem. Um, <laughs> and I have to go... This has to be streaming somewhere. I need to... What? Who is in charge of getting these people signed up for these things? Dude, when are they going to release The Hunt? Let's get that movie out on streaming services. I want to watch that. Why was it Why was it pulled? There was a shooting? Because Yeah, yeah. Then it's about hunting people. Oh, we got it. We, we surely we're between enough. It's been like eight days since we had a shooting. We could we could get a we could get that movie off right now, couldn't we? Don't, there's got to be some bootleg copies out there, right? 2020. I'm trying to see that. That was the one with the island. Yeah, where they go hunt the people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still don't. It doesn't make sense to me that we can't watch. People are getting murdered on screen all of the time. They Every got, movie, they got to re- they got to release that. I don't get that, right? Anyway, for anybody who watches The Fanatic, I'm sorry. It was told to me. I feel like it's the ring. I have to tell it to you in order to try to survive. (laughs) Um, That will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. Obviously, support our sponsors to uh, support us. Want more OCC? One place to get it. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We'll uh, drop our January schedule for you all in the coming days. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. On Twitter at Clams and Cockles. Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. You can follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at WRBolin at W-R-B-O-L-E-N on all those platforms. And uh, listen to the Ross Bolin podcast, also presented by Bolin Media, whenever, wherever OCC is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Bear, where can we follow you and hear more of your voice? At Barrett Dudley oh. on Instagram and Twitter. 
follow at Club Cool Pod on Instagram as well. And you can listen to that podcast wherever you're listening to this one. Just search for Club Cool. We meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. Right on. Looking forward to talking more right. Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next week, getting into some other stuff as well. It's going to be a fun 2020, Barry. Stand up Witcher Hive. Shouts to all the parasites out there. The furries. Yeah. Respect Mr. Park. Until next time. Until your next helping. Adios, muchachos. Thank you.